Hello and welcome again to Film Shots. Film Shots, y'all. I'm Joel Marshall and this is my co-host, Dr. Jesse Ryan. What's up? And we are here again in Hollywood, California. We're actually in my backyard. And uh, we're here with Jeffrey Phelps, who's a filmmaker. And we welcome Jeffrey. <coughs> yeah, this is one time when I can say, hey, welcome, thanks for being here. That's right. Instead of thanks for having me wherever you are. <laughs> right. I, would have, I would have had you over to my place, but it is my place is so cavernous. We'd be just going, hello, hello, hello. It's not like a <laughs> Lou Gehrig speech wow, the entire interview. Man, but, man, he uh, says he lives in a mansion. I oh, think no, that's no, no, I don't, I don't mean big. One I just film mean, <laughs> and he's got a mansion already? That's the thing. We're only in debt a half a million dollars and I can afford it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, he has a Panavision hat on, and um, I know that uh, when I first saw him, I said Panasonic, um, because, you know, this Pana thing is what, what one's just as good as another. So what did you do with um, Panavision? Uh, I, to be honest, the, the hat is just my... Um, when I, when I first got out to Los Angeles about seven years ago, right after college, uh, I got a job working for Clint Eastwood's Malpaso Productions, which is... It's it, it was it was great for me because coming out of college, I went to school in Kansas. Grew up in Kansas. Went to KU. You did go Jayhawks. Okay, yeah. all right. And uh, it was it was good it was good coming out of college when you're pretty sure your stuff doesn't stink to mm -hmm. be the bottom bottom of the trough. <laughs> I mean, the the amount I learned was invaluable because mm -hmm. you really to see from the bottom up on the production side, which I think is the best thing you can do, is see. Who makes all the reports? Who makes the sides? Who do, you What's know what I mean? A side, a side is uh, so what you're doing for the day. You've got your script, and let's say you're shooting six pages that day. So your sides is uh, I, I'm the PA. I take the script, those pages. As production assistant. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I take the uh, I take the the script pages, and then I photocopy them and then shrink them down so that everybody has their own little kind of uh, you know three by four or five by seven so that everybody can go through it especially oh, and uh, you know you start doing things like that you start doing location reports mm -hmm. all these all these things that you you never think of that happen what I call behind behind the scenes mm -hmm. so I did that for about a year and a half and this hat was was from a, a movie that I was there for called Space Cowboys. Uh -huh, okay. It was a fun. I mean, uh -huh. those those guys just had a ball. All right. And it's the way he runs a set is just it's so relaxed. Oh, great. Yet so concise. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't talk mm -hmm. when stuff's going. On. It's it's pretty. The the power he wields is pretty strong. Right. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Well, so are, are you a part of the Kansas Connection? No, 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 no. I just did. I just did the uh, Kansas Film Festival, uh -huh. which was really cool. That was the kind of world premiere of the movie, which was fun to go mm -hmm. home with it mm -hmm. and have, you know, all the friends and family come out. And the the funny one for me is I got the same response every time. <laughs> People would say, "Wow, this is like a real movie." And I'd go, <laughs> and I go. Wow, that's like almost a compliment. I think I'm not sure. Almost, <laughs> you, you know. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. But the Kansas con connection is pretty unique. It's all of these people who work behind the scenes, editors, what sound is, people. What is that? It's yeah. a. It's something that it's not run by the state of Kansas, but all of these people from the Kansas area and affiliated with Kansas in the film industry come together about once a month, and network. 
I didn't know that. Yes, it's I'll have called to the get Kansas in. Connection. Yeah, I'll have to get and in. And it's 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 a really interesting thing. They have nice food there, and when when you come and um, so you've been to the Kansas. I've been Connection. to the Kansas Connection on film shorts. My mm -hmm. presenter, um, KJ, was um, um, in part of the Kansas Connection because she was a beauty queen in Kansas. Awesome. Yeah. So Kansas, and you know KU also has. Um, um, Wilmot, the guy who did CSA. Yeah. Do you know about that? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I I wasn't I wasn't a film major guy. Uh -huh. I, I was an ad major advertising. Uh -huh. Kevin so, Wilmot. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's great. Mm -hmm. He's got the the film that Spike Lee's pushing. CSA, right? yeah. Confederate States of America, the movie. It sounds like That's a really right. cool idea. That yeah, concept. I just saw it. You it saw the movie, here. right? I saw it. Yeah. It was pretty that? interesting. Yeah. 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 I I did a uh, lecture in Tennessee based around that and the question of African-American utopia yeah. in fact at the University of Tennessee. But so that's good, man. Kansas has all a real presence. As, as I've said, Kansas is going to run the world eventually. Because it, <laughs> it, is, it, it is everybody, especially Midwest, but even more so Kansas where everyone has this kind of kinship from there. Where you you get a lot of like good morning how are you I'm yeah. super thanks whereas out here like good morning and they're like oh. <laughs> give you the middle finger and tell you to go oh yeah that was yeah. the middle finger yeah. I, gave. I learned wow. how to ride a bike in Kansas Coffee, yeah. Coffeeville Coffeeville yeah. yeah but that's about all I can say about Kansas yeah. it's how flat were you good then? place to learn how to ride a bike uh God I don't know how well, old are you I when you learn you how to ride kid. a bike yeah I think that was about eight. <laughs> Well, so wait a minute, this is a, yeah. let's get back in this film. <laughs> it's interesting because I thought about, I was going to try, when I when I started raising funds and to, to shoot the movie, I was going to shoot it maybe in Kansas because mm -hmm. I knew I could get, beyond incentives, which weren't great, but there were some, I knew that I knew enough people where I could get, because our main set is a hospital. The, mm -hmm. the gist of the movie is it's a, it's a cancer doctor who basically finds his ideal patient for this experimental trial, but it turns out to be the high school bully who pushed him hard enough he tried to kill himself. Right, yeah. That was that was a real interesting twist. Yeah, so I, I tried for a little bit to put that together, but then moving crews and getting gear, the, the only thing that Kansas City's missing right now is the gear. Hmm. What's the gear? Cameras, Cam decks, okay. lights, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They've, got, they've right. got setups for some commercials and things like that, but they're just not really geared up for... A production which I've been talking to some people in the Kansas Film Commission they're, mm -hmm. they're now seeing the upsides mm -hmm. you know of doing that because uh -huh. we got like for our film I, I think that I think that we definitely got faces you would recognize not necessarily oh, names that catch well who are who are well, we some got of them? we got Greg German who's mm -hmm. probably best known from Ally McBeal he played mm -hmm. fish on Ally McBeal right. um, I'll tell you my favorite role for him was in clear and Plus present danger yeah that's the right computer guy that's yeah, right Katie. Mm -hmm. yeah uh, we had DW Moffat who's a, a veteran stage guy that's also he was in traffic he played the dad in 13. You know, he's one of those guys that you start seeing in different places. Mm -hmm. He's a very good actor. I know, you know, I've always known that name, or I've known that name yeah. for some time, but I haven't quite placed who he was until I saw your film, and I'm like, oh, that guy, he's, he's very so good. He's just so powerful, which is what, you know, all these, all the leads that I got, none of them read, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it was kind of one of those where I said, hey, if you're willing you're to do it, them to audition, I was like, right? let's let's at least go out and have some lunch and talk it mm -hmm. over and see what kind of vibe we get. And well, how did you get them? That was, um, so when I started all this, I'd been I'd been acting, I'd been doing stand-up comedy, you know, and I, I, I was having a ball acting right up until I got paid for it. 
Ah. Acting class was great because it's just a bunch of good-looking people in a consequence-free environment. Mm. You know what I mean? We're basically, mm -hmm. you, every day failure is encouraged. I, I encourage <laughs> right. everybody to take an acting mm -hmm. class. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's invaluable, especially as a director, no matter what you're going to do. Um, but then I started seeing that I wanted more. I, I met my now wife and... She and my mom were the ones who said, well, if you're going to be a director, then you should direct. And I went, well, maybe I will. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> so I had this idea, this kind of kernel of an idea for special ed. And I just said, oh, well, let's sit. Let's see if I can sit down. I knew I had enough money where I could e either spend six months writing three other scripts and see if I could get some scripts sold, or I could spend six months trying to raise money and put this whole thing together. Right. That little money you had came from um, um, Clint Eastwood? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, he hasn't returned that call yet, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's still out there. Uh, no, I was purely, I went the friends and family route. Um, mm -hmm. I, I lost the the movie's about cancer, so I lost. It's a it's a true story based upon. No, a true no, no. Story? Oh, it's no, not at it's, all. It's it's okay. It's definitely an amalgam of uh -huh. of a bunch of stories. I lost my dad to cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But, you know, I I started writing things about my dad and I, but we got along, so that really doesn't make a good right. movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if your main characters you know, the are the soul of it is conflict. That's the soul absolutely. of drama. If if your main <clears throat> characters are hugging and high fiving on page three, it's over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a short. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So I kind of took some pieces of what he went through and then I took um, a piece my, my stepdad, he and I had been talking about when people peak in their mm -hmm. lives. And the idea of those guys who at eighteen are as good as they're ever gonna be. And then my, my stepdad is surrounded by these guys that are so successful and so humble. And they're those guys that are still peaking in their 50s and 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Still going up and just don't stop because mm -hmm. they, they don't view work as work. They mm -hmm. view work as a part of their lives, right. Which, right. which was mm -hmm. cool. So as I, was, as I was raising this money, um, I, I put together a proposal. I, majored in advertising so that was a simple thing to like know how to put together a proposal and I, I broke it down saying on the very first page I said film is an artistic medium with business goals Excellent. which is true and so I broke expression. I broke down the the proposal into business and art mm -hmm. so in the art I broke down who I wanted to cast and what mm -hmm. the story was and what my vision was and how I was gonna shape it and then in the business I'd put in comparables a budget Mm -hmm. Ways we were going to save money. Mm -hmm. uh, going, we went digitally. We shot. We didn't shoot film. We shot on HD. Mm -hmm. It looked great, by the it way. Really looked I mean, good. We had a, really looked good. We had a killer director of photography that mm -hmm. was truly the the. Um, he was my mentor on mm -hmm. the set. He was great. How did you find him? Uh, he was the the guy who produced the film, James Armstrong. Uh, he and I met on a set of another movie. I was actually shooting an EPK, an electronic press kit, shooting behind-the-scenes right. footage for somebody. And uh, James was line producing, and I watched him work, and I went, man, you are just fired up. I like watching it. He mm -hmm. just had a way. He's, he's English. Mm -hmm. He grew up, um, the Armstrong family is pretty famous. They're uh, stunt guys. Ah, Vic okay. Armstrong, his uncle, was um, the double for Harrison Ford and in Indiana Jones, the original. Oh, wow. And now, you know, does all the Spielberg movies as a uh -huh. coordinator and a second unit director. And then James's dad does the same kind of work. So he, James grew up on a movie set. I mean, he's been on set since he was seven. Mm -hmm. 
So anyway, he and I met on the set, and I said, oh, that's that's cool, man. Have you ever thought of producing something, you know, like actual... And he went, oh, I'd love to, mate. That'd be marvelous. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. I'm trying <laughs> yeah, to do something is Australian, here. Australian, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, so he and I got to talking, and he had he had met this... Our, our director of photography, Joao Fernandez, through his dad. Joao, one of his first films he shot was... Uh, Chuck Norris is missing in action, wow. which mm-hmm. was fun for me because that's a, that's like one of those seminal films mm-hmm. that you watch with your dad. Mm-hmm. You, know, you watch like Predator, Total Recall, <laughs> you know, missing in action, and then something with Jean Claude Van Damme where he's jumping and kicking. And and so he read the script. This Joao Fernandez, he's in his sixties and just one of those guys that he's from Brazil has this mm-hmm. soft, easy way about him and is so. He's done it long enough where he knows what's going on. But anyway, he read he read the script and really responded to it. Which most of the people that I got involved, it was all off of the script. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think the, the script, tight script. That's I think what it I think was. the script is better than the movie, mm-hmm. and that's and that's simply because <clears throat> I chalk that up strictly to first time filmmaker, which is this this movie was my film school. Mm-hmm. This is what I I said. Mm-hmm. Instead of going and spending another three years and kicking out a 16 millimeter, you know, short at the end of it, mm-hmm. I'd rather take whatever money someone's willing to give me to go to school and use it toward this, right. which is exactly what I did. Well, I've got got to say that I, um, the script was pretty classic. I mean, what did you use? Sid Fields. Um, you've got plot points. You've got inciting incidents. Actually, all of that is right on time. Yeah, I actually went. Um, I actually went to the writers' boot camp here in oh, Santa Monica, okay. which it's a. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an intense little four-week course mm-hmm. that just teaches Who you. Who teaches that? I don't even know. I can't. To mm-hmm. be honest with you, it was it was uh, four years ago when I did mm-hmm. it. And it was because I'd been doing sketch comedy. We were writing sketches, and mm-hmm. I was writing stand-up comedy. And uh, so I went and took this course that it was it was just the basics of where things should happen and, yeah. and what, you know, inciting incidents and character misbehaviors mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. those things. It just basically gives you the lexicon to really... So that really worked for you? Santa Monica Boot Camp? It's, writers it's boot called camp? the Writer's Boot Camp. You can find it online. And it, it, they, were, they were great. I mean, it was... Right. I was working on a different script while I was there that ended up not kind of... The whole reason I did this script was I intentionally wrote it with not a lot of characters, not a lot of sets, so that it could be done quickly and and I tried to keep a, a lot of it contained in this hospital which we ultimately ended up building. Get out of here. <clears throat> we built it where in, in Valencia? Yeah, we went up to Valencia and found we actually found a warehouse instead of a sound stage. We found a warehouse that hadn't been it been empty for 6 months. So these people were dying for a tenant. So we said, I'll tell you what. We'll come in here and we'll soundproof it. We'll use it and then you can start advertising it as an option to a studio. Wow. So we went in there and I got a, a guy named Rob Howarth, a production designer who did a lot with a little bit. I mean, I just, I didn't have much money to give him. And now in retrospect, I should have given him twice what I did. Mm-hmm. And The he, time will come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was the whole point of this is finding those things. You know, I should write a book now of Jeff's list of wrongs because it was like I'd, I'd call my stepdad at the end of the day. I'm like, well, I just made mistake number 287 today. Everything's good. I'm no, glad I wrote you it. kept the list. No, I wrote it down. Great. Um, and so he, he, we went around and looked at the VA hospital. We looked at where they're shooting scrubs. That's a hospital. Mm-hmm. 
And all of them ended up being, you know, $7,000 and $10,000 a day that mm -hmm. you start looking at it and then you still have to dress it, you still have to mm -hmm. do this and that. And so finally this Rob Howith, who we, who we met with, said, you know, for that much money, if you give me as much money as you would spend there, I'll build you your hospital, your office, and wow. some of your apartments all here. And we went uh, right that, at great. that warehouse, which was genius, and that was a good learning for me of seeing time versus money. Uh -huh. Of the time it saved by not moving the crew and moving oh, the gear, it was. So you, you know, were all the whole thing was done in one location in this warehouse, and you just moved from room to room. The 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 graveyard scenes, which are outside, uh -huh. is actually just the we were up it was in this biomedical park, which we found because originally we were going to shoot some of their interiors. Mm -hmm. And then, but then we found this warehouse right by it. So at this biomedical park, they had this big sprawling green grass. And he said again, he goes, you know what? I'm just going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to get some slabs. We'll come out here, dress it with some flowers. You won't know the difference. And I went, oh, I don't know. And sure enough, you guys are smart. And to me, that that's that's that, that's the really fun part of filmmaking for me. That idea. If you watch, I did a bunch of behind the scenes stuff. I get such a kick out of the idea where. You know, I'm sitting there going, gosh, I would love to have the camera over here, but... And he goes, oh, that's fine. And then they just take three drills and move the wall. Wow. And you go, that's, wow. that's the beauty of having sets. Were you lighting from above? Did you have um, holes full ceilings, or were you able to put lights above the set as they would on um, a, a television set? We did light above. The the one we got, the... the there it goes. LA, LAPD's on their way LA in. LA helicopters, oh, yeah. Yeah. always around. Pirate radio. That's, right. That's one thing about Los Angeles. You can always find a helicopter. Everybody wave to the pilot. Um, <laughs> we, um, the, the further we got into it, the more we, we couldn't afford to get a huge light package, which if it would have been ideal, if I could change it, I would have gone back and I would have had two cameras instead of one. It costs more, but I would have cut my time in half. You know what I mean? You're just getting all your coverage in yeah. one rip. And I would have paid for more lights because yeah. you could... What what ended up happening is then near the end we started getting more lights and started... We'd have half of these guys lighting, the other half pre-lighting, so that mm -hmm. by the time we were moving it, it became it. just this well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. And and by doing that, we I think I only had one or two days where I took everybody into penalty. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could always... Could you explain that to people into penalty? Um, if... You have a set amount of hours that everyone, if they're union or not, especially actors union and, and then the lighting guys and the camera guys especially and drivers, they all have their own unions. And once you go over an eight-hour period or you can only go so many hours before you owe them a lunch or you owe them a dinner. And then the day itself can only be so long if you know you're going to give everyone a 10-hour turnaround. They mm -hmm. can go home for 10 hours and then need to be back. And so as soon as you go past, say, it's 8 p.m., you're, you're into overtime, which okay, gets, especially for an indie crew where you, you're, you're counting pennies of, mm -hmm. I can pay you $800 today. Right. And then if you go over, now you owe them $1,000, mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. gets worse and worse and worse. So I, I really prided myself, and it had a lot to do with James and the way he, he not only produced, but he also was my first assistant director on this, mm -hmm. which was great. And first assistant, that's first AD, you mean? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and his, really, a first AD's role is, is scheduling. Mm -hmm. And their job is to keep you on track and take the creative guy who wants to just keep shooting and say, okay, you're at a point now, you can either finish this scene and lose mm -hmm. part two, 
or you give up now and go for part two. Okay. And and that yeah, was yeah. that was good, mm -hmm. but it was also bad because he was first ading with a producer's mind. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Yes, mm -hmm. right. Which ended up working because it was the only other way we could save money, which was another. So he was first ading and trying to keep things cheap. Is that what you're saying? Not even not even cheap, but just done you know what i mean uh -huh. his 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 goal was to make sure as he said in the beginning he said my goal is to make sure you get everything you want okay now the realities of that is in order to get everything you want you're not going to get everything you want mm -hmm. which which was a cool cool part for me and mm -hmm. now in retrospect i realized that i could have we shot in 21 days for mm -hmm. for half a million dollars mm -hmm. i think with a half million dollars i think we could have shot it in 15 days okay and still mm -hmm. gotten more but that's just that's just the the hindsight with what i know now mm -hmm. and that's not saying like oh i'm great i know what i'm doing i now. certainly look forward to your next shoot then yeah exactly um there are two things that i want to ask you about one were you able to take advantage of uh because it's a low budget film of any of the incentives from sag or other unions to do things cheaply yeah that's and doing craft services, what kind of foods do you guys have on there? You know what? That, that's interesting. Uh, SAG was a big one. Uh, if you're below, if you're five hundred thousand dollars or below, you qualify for SAG's Indie. Uh, it's it's. I think it's the SAG Indie. Ex, not experimental, but it's it's modified, mm -hmm. low budget modified. And basically. Well, now we've got hammering. Yeah. Basically, mm -hmm. basically you're you're paying half of what you'd have to pay which to an actor yeah which mm -hmm. is salvation i mm -hmm. mean because you have day players for for me i really enjoy getting coming from acting i i had my most fun was casting i mm -hmm. just because i'd been to enough auditions where i felt so uncomfortable that it was a ball to give actors as many tries as they wanted mm -hmm. you know my mm -hmm. poor casting director was just going we need to move on. And I'm like, I know, but he's almost got it. She's like, he's not even the right age. Like, I know, but he's doing so well. Let's just give him one other shot. Uh, so that was a big help with SAG. Um, and then as far as catering goes, we got we got a company to cater, and we, we tried to pay attention to what everybody wanted. And then more than anything, we just went to Costco and got a bunch of drinks and mm. snacks and things like that. But was it donuts mostly? No, we were, you know, we went kind of healthy and i'm a i like eating healthy but it is once you get into long hours all i wanted was coffee That's and sugar it. which mm -hmm. is the truth right like mm -hmm. jo <laughs> joao and a couple of the other guys said whenever they're on shoots is the only time they'll drink and smoke right and it's right. true because you just right you're like well mm -hmm. what are you gonna do i'm exhausted mm -hmm. i can't really focus anymore i'll have a half a pot of coffee right yeah. And all that stuff is right there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. That's that's what I used to do. Yeah. What did you? Uh, how was it working with these veteran actors, being a first-time director? It was good and bad. It was good and bad. Um, some of them, some of them, like almost all of them, I was about half their age, mm -hmm. which I, I hadn't really taken that into account. Of as much as it's a collaboration, it's still telling people what you want done which is it's it's a fine line and it took me it took me about two weeks to really get my sea legs of I definitely knew what I wanted to see um, I didn't always know how to get it mm -hmm. most of the time they were so prepared that a lot of the times I just got out of the way that's why great. you want a professional which was DW Moffat was one of those guys who every single take he'd do at least a little something different mm -hmm. and it was always something that he you could you could now, tell who, who was D.W. Moffat in this. He plays Sonny, the the mm -hmm. the antagonist basically, right. who has mm -hmm. cancer, and mm -hmm. 
he managed to pull off that one of playing a jerk that you're rooting for. Yeah. Which, which I think is one of the coolest. Um, I, I tried to write it that way, and he he just took it and made it so his own. Where the the fun one was my kind of directions for him were that's cool. Can you do it once and just be angry this time? And he's like, Yep, sure. And then he'd do it and do something really interesting. And then I go, oh, no, your way was right. Do it one more your way. Sorry. And he'd go, okay, cool. Yeah, I and was really angry with that, that, that guy. Yeah, you know, it's hard like, not it, to be. It, you, you pulled emotion out of me. Yeah. You know, and, and that's really what you what you want to do. I was even sad at the end. I also bought the fact that he, you know, had cancer. That character had mm -hmm. cancer. Yeah. That really, I don't know how you achieved that. Well, I, I know his. It seemed like his clothes seemed, became yeah. bigger, so that made him look yeah, skinnier. What did you do? Yeah, we did. We did a combination of things. First, first we we shaved him. I mean, yep. we shaved his whole body, which he was mm -hmm. totally gung ho for. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one was we put makeup on, obviously, to mm -hmm. kind of sink his eyes and give yeah, him kind of that peaked look. Then we did a little bit with lighting. We kind of put him under some neons to green it out a bit, and then even played with that a little more in After Effects. In and Final this is Cut. stuff that the cinematographer suggested? Yeah. yeah. And then the uh, costume designer was great. She had this idea of not only putting him in clothes that were about a size too big, mm -hmm. but also it's it, everyone has colors that you can wear that just don't go with your skin tone, uh -huh. that oh. make you look like... Like she put him in a lot of greens and this uh -huh. kind of weird tan that uh -huh. just kind of flattens out your color and okay. makes everybody look more sick. It really did. Yeah, look it was different. convincing. That, I was it trying. Was to, I was. I was. I was looking at it and say, "Wow, did they make that guy starve on set?" How long I know. Did and then they also had this? those those uh, Polaroids of him as he yeah. progressed. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did that as another little Something. cheat, mm -hmm. just to just so for anybody who hadn't bought it yet, just mm -hmm. so each Polaroid showed him going down a little bit, just to plus it so gave what, you a sense of time. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. One of the things that I'm wondering is. You, you did this film, 500,000, it's a feature length film. What did you do? Have you, had you directed before this? No, that was... Not even a short? No, that was... That was see, there was, the, there was the problem. Is I went around with this script before going Friends and Family, and I, I managed to finagle through friends of friends or somebody I'd acted with a couple meetings with production companies that were willing to sit down and talk to me. And each one of them would read the script and say, it's a really promising script, what have you done? Or what do you want to do with it? And I'd say, oh, I want to direct it. It's going to be my mm -hmm. directorial debut. And they'd go, okay, well, what have you done? And I'm like, well, I've got some video of my buddies puking with some music underneath it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Oh, we were in Aspen. Does that help? You know, and, and he'd go, these guys would look at me and go, you're kidding, right? And I'd go, no, not really. I'm pretty serious. And they'd say, okay, well, it was a pleasure meeting you, Jed. Go, it's Jeff. And like, you bet, buddy. See you on the next one. So that was when it was my wife who said, well, just figure it out. Find another way to do it. So it, it basically, this has not only become my first film, but it's also my business card. It's my reel. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when they this say, what have you problem. done? I just slide the DVD over and say, well, yeah. this is, this no is what we doubt. did. No doubt. Do you have a new script that you're ready to work yeah, on? Yeah, got, I've got a couple that I'm working on. Um, the fun one now is I can at least get all these meetings that I couldn't get before. Mm -hmm. All these people are at least willing to talk now. And now that, now that the film is being distributed, now I'm getting even more where mm -hmm. people are going, okay, well, as I said, we now have a commercially viable film. Right. Now mm -hmm. we just need to make it commercially successful, right. which mm -hmm. is really the next... The next real push. Did you start working on distribution before you started shooting, or when did you start working on it? 
And that's the biggest lesson I think I learned is I should have. I should mm -hmm. have started with some sort of idea on distribution. Mm -hmm. Because what I've found now is a lot of what you can do is, so let's say that I have Greg German and D.W. Moffat and Bill Cobbs and Connie Britton all attached. Mm -hmm. Well, so they can, let's say I go to a Fox. What was the African-American actor's name? Bill Cobbs. Bill, that was Bill who Cobbs. Is just, he is something great. else. Well, he just... He's really good. He was he was he was an afterthought for me because I, I thought I wanted to go one way with it and then to the casting director, Lindsay Shag's credit, she went, What about doing Bill Cobbs in there? And I went, Wow, that's a great idea and then Bill came in and just yeah. you know, he could read the phone book to you and it's interesting. Yeah, and he's another he, veteran actor absolutely. who's done so much work if anybody yeah. looks it up on the IMDB. He, he was in a short called Tuesday Morning Ride that won the Academy Award. Yeah. Um in ninety I think it was ninety six. It was the only um, African American produced film or directed film oh, that won an cool. Academy Award that year, and this was when everybody was complaining about no African Americans yep. getting awards, but it, it won um, then. Tuesday Morning Ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So great. go on with your, your the thing about distribution. Oh, so uh, in theory, you could go if you have enough names and enough money, so you can prove production value. You can go to a you know, Warner Independent or someone like that or Lionsgate or someone and you can get a distribution promise mm -hmm. saying, if we finish this the way I say with these people at this amount, then you guys promise, you know, and they say, all right, we'll promise you $750,000. That's really interesting. Well, then you can take that and go to a bank and say, I've got a promissory note of here of seven fifty, and you can get that money from a bank. So now your budget wow. just went up. Interesting. And you can do that all over the world too. And you're also guaranteeing distribution, right. which which ends up helping get more money, get better actors. I mean, mm -hmm. it it all feeds on itself. Right. You know what I, I mean? See. And that's. So you went to so what you would have done, or wish what you will do next time. Yes, definitely. Right, is you will go to Warner's and maybe a, a few other companies and mm -hmm. get a promise of distribution first. Exactly. That's what I would like to and do. And now you can get a meeting with them. Yeah, because it, it ends up, if not, you're like me right now where, you know, I spent seven months just hustling, trying to get people to watch it, trying to get people to review it, trying to get people to like it, and, and I have no leverage. Right. There's no leverage because I want my movie seen more than they want to pay for it. Absolutely. So they know that I'm willing to give up my shorts mm -hmm. to get, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that I, I think that you did do successfully, you avoid, and maybe it's your cinematographer, you didn't overshoot. Yeah. I mean, you shot enough. A lot of um, features I see, you know, there's just too much footage, and it's because people can use video now to just shoot cheaply, they think. Well, and ironically, though, if if you would have seen my first cut, the director's cut, I think our, our finished piece came in at about an hour 45, and my first cut was two hours and 35 minutes. Ah, okay. Was, mm -hmm. was it, and I didn't even shoot the whole script. Wow. Each day I'd end up, I'd have some transition scenes that as I, as you're actually watching, you go, okay, I don't need that to get from here to there. Mm -hmm. I, we can lose the diner. We mm -hmm. can lose watching him get out of his car. Right. I, I found out mm -hmm. that I, I did overshoot a lot of the comings and goings. I right. wanted to see yeah. everybody walk through the door mm -hmm. and then open the door right. and then that's, come in through the door. The and you realize mm -hmm. if you if he pulls up in his car and then you cut inside, it's not that hard to right. believe that he walked in. Mm -hmm. you, know, you don't have to show mm -hmm. us. Um, a lot of the stuff that I cut was, unfortunately, the really beautiful stuff. Mm 
Kill your babies. Had the, it was. I learned how to drown my babies. Yep. And I, I used to have a bucket of water because I'd just sit there going, I'm sorry, I love you. I love you, Mia. You're a montage that does nothing for the film. And it was because I, I had this montage in an MRI room mm -hmm. that Joao figured out a way to shoot on the reflection. And we had this green light coming through an MRI machine mm -hmm. and, and all this great stuff. And then like a profile with the purple of the, mm -hmm. the computer screen. Oh, edging man, I mean, gorgeous. it just got, and then, you know. I would say that uh, I think montages are one of the most difficult things to do and then and make it not seem cheesy. Yeah, yeah. You know? or, mm -hmm. or or make it necessary. That's right. Or one. make it necessary. Because exactly. it, it ended up, I, I, I got to thinking, I went, wow, now, okay, if he's already seeing the cancer doctor, odds are us as the audience is going to know that he has cancer. Do we really need to see him go through an MRI machine and watch right. everybody go, my God, he has cancer? <laughs> I mean, which is the gist of it. It was, yeah. it was a great mm -hmm. place for a song, which mm -hmm. was one of my first thoughts. And then it was, it was just really gorgeous. But mm -hmm. it was that kind of stuff. And then I had another really funny scene with Bill Cobbs and Connie Britton. Mm -hmm. Connie Britton, who was on Spin City forever and uh, was Billy Bob's wife in Friday Night Lights, just did 24. I mean, she's she's all over the place, too, and she was awesome. She's but very I, good in this movie, I had this great I had this great scene with Bill and Connie that was a setup for the next scene, mm -hmm. kind of a joke, that once you saw the scene, it didn't need the setup, and it was, you know, it was five minutes that just, it was fun to watch them, but it just didn't. So a lot of what, what you'll see in, in the stores on, on the DVD is I tried to put as many deleted scenes in as I could right. with some explanation <clears throat> underneath, too, because... My generation, I think, is so lucky because we have a built-in film school for us in DVD f extras. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I honestly, okay. Tony Scott, Ridley Scott, uh, Cameron Crowe, Richard Linkletter, these guys' movies, if you watch it and, you know, they have some behind-the-scenes featurettes, but a lot of times if you just listen to the commentary, like listening to George Clooney's commentary on Good Night and Good Luck, yeah, a lot of it's just banter, but there's actually maybe 10 gems in there where you go oh wow yeah i didn't even know you were doing that i think we're actually getting to the end getting here to the unfortunately end um i wanted also to talk about the the music rights issue mm -hmm. that you were saying um i got uh, uh, a friend joe Cuello, who uh works over at mtv was willing to help me with music supervision mm -hmm. and we we did our own score original uh, a girl by the name of Beth Balmer, who's this amazingly talented, I mean, she plays everything. She's Irish, and so that's why you hear a lot of the music has almost kind of a Celtic feel to it, mm -hmm. which is her influence, which I really, really like. Uh, but Joe Cuello got us, I, I went after a couple of songs, that uh, a Coldplay song and a Ben Fold song that I knew I wanted. I just, I'd heard them from the beginning as I was even writing. And so we got them for the movie um, festival rights, meaning, let's say I come to you and I say, I really like your song. I, I'm not distributed, the movie's not bought, but I'm going to be showing it in X, Y, and Z festival. Mm -hmm. um, I can't afford to pay you the $50,000 you'd want. Can I just have the festival rights? And they say, all right, for 500 bucks you can play it at any festival for the next two years. Okay. Well, the mistake I made is... So I didn't think far enough ahead. I was just being artsy, artsy, artsy of this is what I want, this is what I need. And I should have thought, okay, regardless, 
be ready for when someone says, we want your movie and we're going to put it in stores because now you either owe them $50,000 if you want to keep it or you now, you now have to remaster your audio, you have to redo your credits, you have to remaster your output. So now you're six grand further into it mm. just because you were being artistic. Right. And that's not saying it's mm -hmm. wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. but, but I, learned, I learned a tough lesson that way. Wow. Uh, I think that's something that's really important because music rights can be so expensive. A rights period, absolutely. Um, you have yeah. to get your rights. Remember, that. I, I guess that's a good film bite right, right there. Remember to get your agreement signed, to get the rights assigned of both of your, your actors and all of the pieces of the film. Music, um, there are a lot of people who need to sign don't, documents. Don't, don't hit that point, and it's so easy to, to hit that point of... Oh, well, I just want to do it. I just want to right. do it. It's fine. Because it, it feels like the right idea, and I did that a couple times, where you go, oh, you know what, let's just do it. We can just do it. Mm -hmm. And then in six months, it'll bite you it'll bite so you. hard. It'll bite you. You'll either That's end right. up paying for it literally and figuratively, mm -hmm. or you'll end up begging. <clears throat> That's right. Is that your film bite? Well. Or do you have another? I do have another. Okay, I great. I do have another. Um, and it, kind of, it comes out of this, but it actually comes out of watching this film. <clears throat> um. And um, over the weekend, last weekend, I went to the City of Lights, City of Angels Film Festival, which is Paris um, film and in Los Angeles. So um, French filmmakers come to Los Angeles. And I watched um, a film that's being well-received. Um, and the style of the film was not Hollywood style. It was very European style. It's some, something I've seen in a lot of re recent French films where what they they kind of throw a lot of things in and there's no reason to throw them in. So this is kind of the footage right. um, um, question. <clears throat> American style filmmaking, Hollywood filmmaking, follows a very particular pattern. And this is what uh, Jeff saw and got from his class. You know, like there's a way that you should structure your film with thoughts of appealing to an American audience. There's certain things that they're used to. They're used to a basic three-act structure. Um, they're used to having plot points at a particular time. This is when they're twist in the film that take you in certain directions. And um, one of the films that um, I know that is best for that, and this is one that I used to teach in my classes, is Patriot Games. Mm -hmm. Patriot Games is so structured for um, an American audience, it's amazing. You yeah. can actually go out and time the sequences. You can do it off someone's pulse, even right. watching it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So that's one of the things you want to do. You want to think about the structure of your script. Okay? There's a good book on that uh, called Story by Robert McKee, and I'm sure yeah. there are some other good ones out there, I, too. I, I'm a firm believer. It, it The way I do it, it's, it's as easy as and I learned it there, it was three, six, three. One through three, like literally put 12 numbers down the side of a page. Your important ones are one, three, six, nine, and 12. Uh -huh. All right, one, one is your open. You gotta catch everybody. Three is your first act climax, meaning the inciting incident that puts our main character on his path. Mm -hmm. Six would be your second act climax, which is when it starts going bad. Nine is your climax of the movie where finally they confront each other and 12 is your resolution or right. denouement, denouement if we're going European. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but honestly, that's, I, I think it's, it can be as simple as that where you mm -hmm. start with 12 numbers mm -hmm. and you start getting these important points and then 
you just start putting numbers in between them and it just starts right. kind of expanding right. until you have 40 to 60 great scenes. That's technique, y'all. Yeah. It's good. Uh, mine's quick. It's just if, you, uh, if you're interested in being a director, it's a good idea to take an acting class. I think that's one thing that Jeffrey oh, yeah. said here and, and it was something probably that helped him out as a first-time director. And um, go for it. Have fun. Yeah, you gotta learn. You gotta learn the verbiage to talk to your actors because mm -hmm. ultimately, as much as they're just a part of the whole, they're the real storytellers mm -hmm. of that moment. And if mm -hmm. you can't, <clears throat> if you can't communicate with them, it can get really dicey really fast. Because mm -hmm. I found with a lot of with lighting guys and things like that, I didn't have to be as technical as I thought. If mm -hmm. I just said I want it to feel dangerous, that's right. They'd go. They know. They'd let them do their creative. They thing. know. Right. <clears throat> but with actors, you need to think about their full arc through mm -hmm. a film. Yeah. You need to think about their arc Absolutely. in a scene. Mm -hmm. And so that they can really set up. And that's you're simply there to help them mm -hmm. get out what, they, what they've got in their heads. Well, that's it's good. good. It's yeah. been a lesson for all of us, y'all. That's right. I now. enjoy just talking about the stuff. Like, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, that's clear. I can sit around and just mm -hmm. shoot it all day long. Well, we only have a half hour here. <laughs> well, you gave sure. us a lot of good film bites. Do you want? To, do you have one in particular that you want to add? Um, I I think, um, my my film bite would be as simple as, and it's it's almost trite at this point, but literally just go out and shoot a short. Don't worry about the lighting. Don't if you can get some lights, go to Home Depot and get some scoops. You know what I mean. Just get mm -hmm. those bowl lights. Get a couple of soft gels to put over it. Grab any camera you can find. That's the beauty of video now. I mm -hmm. grew up on video. I've never shot film. Probably wow. never will. Wow. They're just you know what I mean. I just new day, up. new day. Yeah. You know what I mean. I'm all about CCDs. I'm not about. <laughs> What's not a CCD? A, it's a, it's the chip inside that actually records everything. Ah. Okay. We're but, talking into a one-chip camera right yeah. now. Yeah. So the the gist, I would say, is go out and try something because I, I my personal belief is that you learn a lot more through doing than talking or, or listening. Is my, All right. You know what I mean? Go, go mess it up. Who cares? Who cares? And on right. that note, Film Shots is out, y'all. Thanks, Jeffrey, for uh, joining us. Thank and, you, um, guys. We'll see you all next week. Yep. Bye.